Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C, 46th chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Any opening comments before we begin? I think it's the most important chapter yet. I feel that way every week, Marla. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it's, well, let's read it. It's, you know, it's all about contentment and what it takes to get to, con- to be a contented human being. Because happiness is fleeting, but contentment, that you can have all your life. I think I put in the, uh, in the post in the RRC for this, we're going to be talking about, we'll be discussing the relationship of desire, fear, and guilt. Fun stuff. (laughs) 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 This is something I've really been working on lately, is this relationship between fear and guilt. And that if I look close enough, Every fear has guilt associated with it. It's almost like the two words are combined. We'll talk about that some more as we read this. But And I think they're very closely associated with uh, desire, unhealthy desire. Very okay. associated for me with that. So, Which stands in the way of my contentment. Right. All of that does. Because I've been studying the Letting Go book, too, and it's got a lot to say about that association of guilt with fear. And so I've been really meditating and looking at that to see places in my life that that part of the reason I stayed trapped with some fear was guilt that was associated with that. So, yeah, I'm just now seeing that. I've never even thought about that before. Can't wait to hear Ah, well, I'm, I can't wait to hear what comes out, too, because I'm just now starting. I want to hear what you guys think about it. Kate, are you ready to read for us, dear? Good to have you back, by the way. I know your work has stood in the way of being here. I am very glad to be back. I know you've been working late. You explained to us before the meeting started. I'm glad that you were able to get up and be here this morning. Me, too. All right. Let's get you lined up here. As usual, I'll put the link in the chat. All right. First translation. When the Tao is present in the universe, the horses haul manure. When the Tao is absent from the universe, war horses are bred outside the city. There is no greater sin than desire, no greater curse than discontent, no greater misfortune than wanting something for oneself. Therefore, he who knows that enough is enough will always have enough. Second translation. When a country is in harmony with the Tao, the factories make trucks and tractors. When a country goes counter to the Tao, warheads are stockpiled outside the cities. There is no greater illusion than fear. No greater wrong than preparing to defend yourself. No greater misfortune than having an enemy. Whoever can see through all fear will always be safe. Third translation. When the world follows the Tao, horses run free to fertilize the fields. When the world does not follow the Tao, war horses are bred outside the cities. There is no greater transgression than condoning people's selfish desires, no greater disaster than being discontent, and no greater retribution than for greed. Whoever knows contentment will be at peace forever. And the final translation. When the world is right with Tao, Lao Tzu said, horses haul fertilizer to the fields. When the world loses touch with Tao, horses are trained for cavalry. Nothing is more insidious than possession. Nothing is more dangerous than desire. Nothing is more disastrous than greed. If you know when enough is enough, you will always have enough. Comments? Many. I'm going to stop the share. You guys are welcome to open that link on your computer if you want. Who wants to start? 
Um, I don't mind um, starting um, because this resonates with something that I listened to um, last night um, from The Art of Letting Go Um, because basically if I just have a look, I think it's it's really, really early on. So it... It basically, if we're if we're always on the lookout for something that is wrong, so if we're always prepared to defend ourselves, we are almost on the brink of that stress, flight or fight response. So anything that comes along, we're not really in a position to accept it and just let it go. Um, so this kind of this really looks at certainly in translation to um this idea that we we shouldn't really be preparing to defend ourselves because if we're in that state we will naturally we'll tolerate we well, I can't think of the word retaliate 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 that's the word um we'll naturally retaliate when in fact nine times out of ten, we, we, we just, we just well, we, we don't need to at all. Um, and so really it's a case of letting go of that idea that we, we must always be defensive um, because if we just accept things as they are, there is no need for that. And, uh, you know, on top of that, we're so afraid, the fear of losing what we have, because we're so attached to what we have. And he's also talking about the greed that we have for things that we want and don't really need. And when that gets threatened, we retali- we want to retaliate. So if you're content with what you have, and I always think about Middle East peace with, with this, but if, you re- you know, if you're content, there's no need. To, to feel fear, I think. That's just my take. No greater wrong than preparing to defend yourself. It didn't say no greater wrong than defending yourself. No greater wrong than even preparing to defend <laughs> yourself. <laughs> we're not talking about defending. We're talking about preparing to defend. Right. Taking a step back, you know. Even being prepared to defend. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about all the different decisions that I make during the day that are defensive and how those decisions all originate from fear in some way. Uh Even in the little things that I do, like me walking around the house and locking the door to the deck when I'll be out there 10 times today, afraid <laughs> someone's going to come in, you know, that kind of a thing where it's, it's, it's a fear thing is the reason why I would do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm still processing that whole idea of, of letting my guard down somewhat in different ways. You know, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. Um, like me wearing a seatbelt because I want to live a long life and want to be here for my family rather than doing it because I'm afraid I'm going to get a ticket if I don't. I mean, even down to little things like that, changing my motivation from, you know, this fear-based motivation to this more love-based motivation in even the little things of life. I don't know. Does that make, does that resonate with anyone? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just me. I, 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 if I'm the only person in the house and I go to the toilet, I still look the door at the back of me. I'm sorry, Craig. We're having a hard time hearing you, my friend. You talk too fast. We can't understand your, your heavy accent. <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? Peace back. Yeah, oh. peace he sent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
He's trying not to be defensive. <laughs> <laughs> Try again, Craig. I'm sorry. I was just saying, can you hear me now? That's better. I was just saying, just in relation to what Buddy was saying about being defensive and locking the doors and that, it's like when you're in the house yourself and you need to go to the bathroom and you still lock the door. Oh. Am I the only person who does that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just little things. Uh, Lala, we're talking about the the part in this 46th chapter where there's um, preparing, there's no greater wrong than preparing to defend yourself. That's the part that we're on. Great. Yeah, great. Sorry, I'm late. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and we're talking about, it's even about the, the preparation for defending yourself and and how that relates to fear and the illusion of fear. That's where That's where we're at, so... I think it's important that it says the word illusion, that fear is an illusion. You know, we're fooling ourselves, even even defining it as as fear. It's an illusion. Yeah. You know, the whole, but we, I don't know. I think we're born fearful. It's, a, it's sort of an innate thing, like animals are born fearful. Um, but, you know, I was, I was also con- thinking in my experience of talking with, conversing with somebody who's always on the defense and how, you know, every word that comes out of my mouth when talking to them, they get really defensive about their position and how difficult that is, um, how, how hard it is to talk to them, you know, when they're so guarded like that. So, yeah, I think there definitely is a fight or flight fight or flight instinct that's innate, you know, yeah. back when we had to run away from large animals and all that. But then there's also the social socialized aspect of fear and how we're brought up. And, you know, definitely that is like what you were talking about, Marla. You know, you have that fight or flight kick in immediately, you know, no matter what, rather than when you're you're almost picturing that person as the big animal attacking you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's hard. I think, I think it's quite, um, it's, it, it's quite well documented now that we, we live in a, we live in a society where that innate fight or flight, um, position is now just a constant thing because we are, we're not just, you know, um, fearful of the lion coming to attack our tribe. We are bombarded with information, requests, demands, expectations, um, either from outside or from ourselves on, well, almost 100% of the time. And so we are constantly in a state of fight or flight. Um, and, and, you know, not necessarily just looking at the idea of preparing to defend ourselves um, from from attack. It's it's from everything. It's from loss. It's from fear. It's from absolutely everything that, um, in some cases, defines um, oneself and. And being content is actually knowing that you are okay as you are, Mm -hmm. you are enough, and therefore it doesn't matter if anything was to attack you. It doesn't matter if somebody doesn't give you what you want. It doesn't matter if you don't get what you desire. If you are 100% okay and you are, you know, absent of fear, if that's possible, um, then then you don't have to defend. You don't have to be ready for fight or flight. Only in those extreme circumstances, which we are ultimately um, predisposed, you know, to do. We are, the, you know, that is there for that reason only, not to um, defend someone when they tell tell you that you're 
hair looks shit or you've put on a few pounds or, you know, because in the olden days, the tribal men and women didn't really give a shit about things like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, I think nowadays it means more than, it means so much more than probably what it did when it was written. Yeah. I mean, it was written to go to rulers who, went to war all the time. It was written about, anti, it was like an anti-war document, the whole, the whole town, I think. I was going to say, too, about the word illusion. They use that a lot, you know, in my um, Buddhist teaching as being, um, living in, like, the confusion and not being, you know, you, you're living in a false reality. So... That's the illusion, the illusion that we should be in fear all the time. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, the media, turn on the news at any time. You know, a lot of that is just sensationalized and it's fear-based. I mean, there's truth to it, but we're put in a situation where if we um, listen to the illusion, then we're going to have a lot more fear. So the, re- the reality and the yeah. being conscious. Yeah. I agree with you on that. So turn off the news. Cindy, you got something? I do. I was just going to say, like, I, I've realized in the last, I don't know, two or three months that, like, my default emotional setting is fear. It's, it's just the default. So, like, even small things, like, I was, I was joking with my husband, like, when I garden, when I reach into, like, a pile of weeds, I'm expecting some bug or lizard or snake or something to attack me. When I walk across the lawn and I have open-toed shoes on, I'm expecting something's going to bite my toes. I, like, I always am, and it's like that with everything, and I have to actively not be afraid. And I, I really think it's just the environment I grew up in. Like, I grew up, you know, navigating to make sure I wasn't causing anyone to blow up. And so I think that's just my default mechanism. And so I'm, I have to actively not be waiting for the other shoe to drop to just work on being like, okay, everything is okay. You don't have to freak out every day, all day. It's everything's okay. So for me, like, this is just like a really good thing for me to hear. You know, Cindy, one of my um, daily affirmations in my meditation time is that creation is on my side, working for me, not against me. (laughs) And that's a total mind change for me because I used to think it was buddy against the world. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. You know, just waiting for the shoot, other shoe to drive. If things are good, well, it's not going to last long. You know, something's going <laughs> to happen to fuck this up. You know, it's going to happen, you know. And looking for that bad thing to happen, you know, instead of, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Then I realized one day the shoe quit dropping, and so I need to quit expecting it to drop, you know, it just stopped. Yeah. And I mean, I, I posted in the group about this yesterday, like my check engine light came on, I got nervous and I was like, no, I'm not going to get nervous. And I just took the car to the dealership and that was it. And I just handed it off. Like that was it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And what I didn't post is that then I went to go use our extra car and the battery was dead and I had to take an Uber to get around yesterday, but I just didn't get like, I didn't freak out. It was just like, okay, this is what it is, and I have to get done what I have to get done, and I won't get done what I won't get done, and that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, we can make good decisions without being afraid. So the fear really does not add to our uh, – add anything positive to our situation at all. No. I think it takes away from my decisions. When I, when I make fear-based decisions, I'm not like, I'm not being logical. I'm not allowing my higher power to tell me anything. I'm just like, how do I protect myself? And that's the mode that I'm in. And that makes for bad decisions. I think that was how I was when I was drinking. Every decision so was just based on not getting caught. It <laughs> seems really human. Um, can I share one little experience? I'm studying to get a certification in this specific type of yoga teaching and I just learned that I'm going to be in front of three people who are assessing me and I have to to perform about a hundred different poses that they're all going to be watching and testing me on and normally 
that would just freak the shit out of me, people watching me do something. But I've, I learned, like, okay, so what? You know, they, they know I'm going to be nervous. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to be good. And there's no fear anymore. That's, that was, that's evolving. Yes. Good. I'm going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> we'll pat you on the back for that one, Marla. Thank that's you. Good. Uh, Paul, you have something, sir? Uh, yeah, ever since I've been listening to the Letting Go book, I've really examined how much of my actions were based on fear in the past. And I'm really trying to not let that happen anymore. And uh, it's really, it's re- it really is a, it really lightens the load, you know, <laughs> when you don't, to, you don't have to constantly be in fear. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. But you know, you know in the book we're referring to is uh, David Hawkins' uh, "Letting Go: The Pathway to Surrender." So, if anyone listening would like to get that book, it's a great book. I still listen. I've listened to it, who knows how many times, and I'm still listening again. So, I'll continually listen to that book for a while until who knows how long. Because it has so soon. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, I'll do one quote from that book. It's a pretty depressing quote, but I want to. It's from page 101 in the fear chapter. It says, in between the fear of living and the fear of dying is the guilt of the moment. Pretty depressing. It starts talking about the guilt part, you know, and that we're just obsessed with fear and guilt. That is continual. And I had a quote from the 12 and 12. This is in uh, on step seven. It says, the chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded so i started thinking about that and how guilt was associated with that i said yeah i would i would had fear i would lose something then i felt guilty for having it when other people didn't have it then i would uh or I was fearful of not getting something I demanded and then felt guilty for thinking I should have it. <laughs> All of that at the same time. Does anyone else see that? Or is it just me? Okay. Yeah. 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 Isn't that, doesn't that also tie in with looking outside of yourself for fulfillment? Sure does. You're looking for, you're looking for material things or, or people or whatever. And, Anything outside of of yourself that you're looking to to for validation? I mean, I for everything, Paul. You're exactly right. That's why we drank. That's why we used drugs. Was we we thought that the answer was out here, and it's never out here. It's in it's inside. It's an inward journey, not an outward journey. If you if you want a Dow quote on that, it says to turn the light around to where you're looking mm-hmm. within. You know. Yeah, and, and tying it into today's reading too, uh, looking to your leaders mm-hmm. for for the answers. You know, looking looking to the politicians and all that. That's that's just a no win situation. That is a no win situation yeah. at this moment. Good luck with that one. Thanks, Craig. Whoever can see through all fear will always be safe. Well, that's what Lala was talking about—the illusion yep. of fear. And it is an illusion. And they and another translation of that said, whoever knows contentment will be at peace. If you know you have enough, you'll always have enough. So if we have areas of our life that we don't have contentment, that should tell us that's an area we probably need to really dig deep in and see if we have some hidden fear that's keeping us from being content or desire, and the reason I desire things is because I'm afraid I won't get something I want. That's all that goes back to desire. Yeah, and attachment. If I, if I surrender the fear, you know, probably a lot of that attachment goes away, Marla, when you surrender the fear that's behind a right. lot of that, too. I agree, I agree. That the attachment may not be the issue as much as the fear that may be behind the attachment. Food for thought. And then I was thinking about the uh, St. Francis prayer. It's not funny. 
I just came upon that. Did you really? I think this is how this prayer would help me with areas of desire and fear. I'm going to read it. This is from page 99 in the 12 and 12. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there's hatred, I may bring love, that where there's wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there's discord, I may bring harmony, that where there's error, I may bring truth, that where there's doubt, I may bring faith, that where there's despair, I may bring hope, that where there's shadows, I may bring light, that where there's sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek seek to comfort rather than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds, and it is by forgiving that one's forgiven, and it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. That, for me, is how... I can surrender desire and fear is by, and you know, and this is really for me, I was listening to Noah Levine. Craig and I talked about this. I think I was listening to Noah Levine talk about service in recovery and how in his view, it was a lot of times escapism that you weren't, you know, that you wouldn't look at yourself. So, you would go and do something for someone else and they'd get the spotlight off yourself and you still needed to go back and uh, work on your attachments and those things. And I got to thinking about that. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't really see it that way. I see the actual act of service, like um, in the third, in the, uh, oh, that's 11 step prayer. Uh, but in, in the St. Francis prayer there, um, when I do that, that actual act itself brings about my letting go of the attachment. For example, let me make an easy one. Oh, I pray for patience. I need more patience. Well, what happens when I pray that? I'm not endowed with patience. I get a line to stand in. <laughs> so I have to become patient, right? It's- I have a I have a guy I've been working the steps with, and he wanted uh, he wanted to start surrendering his business. He wanted to start working the steps on his business. All of a sudden, he started having all these problems. He had a had a bad car accident, and his daughter had some issues, and an employee got sick, and all this stuff started happening. He's like, "Oh my God, I got all these!" I said, "We well, gotta be careful what you pray for." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, you prayed to learn how to surrender your business. Okay, now you're learning how to surrender your business because you're having to surrender areas of your life that you've not had to surrender before. And this is how it works. You get situations and you get rubbed and you get polished and you get scrubbed. And, you know, it doesn't happen, you know, when I'm, you know, meditating and, you know, all that's good. It gets the ground ready for me. To, to get ready for that, but the real work comes when I have to deal with other people. If it was just me, it would not be that difficult. <laughs> I wouldn't have to grow. The times I grow is when I'm having to deal with other people. That's yeah. how it works for me. Yeah, um, me too. So I think that that service has a bigger element than just an escapism kind of thing. I, I think the service really for me is – is really the mechanics of how I change. So when we're talking about fear, what's going to happen? We're going to have situations that we have the opportunity to be fearful. <laughs> That's how we get rid of it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Or that's how it works for me. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe God just blesses you with courage. I don't know. I, but I have to have situations that I'm, courageous in thoughts yeah no i agree it's only in dealing with other things that come up against you and things and other people yeah that's but it's good that having the awareness that perhaps it is you know a chance to um react or, or or not not react or 
change the way you behave in that situation. You need to be aware of it in the first place, because if you're not, then you'll just go through the same old patterns of behavior. Um, and it's being conscious um, of anything that comes your way to immediately think, right, okay, what's this? How am I going to react? And it's almost, you know, just, well, it is living in the moment and being able, rather than kind of living somewhere in la-la land, so when something, not la-la, but you know what I mean, um, <laughs> you know, when something, when something, comes, when something comes along, um, you know, you are you are immediately ready to to say right okay this is how i'm going to approach this differently to how i did before because i am conscious i'm present rather than being i don't know three weeks ahead of a project that you're trying to plan for um you know being in the moment allows you to see something that's you know um appearing and well being able to react differently or behave differently that is the key to sobriety yeah <laughs> things differently <laughs> changing your reality you know new pair of glasses Sandy, yeah. you have something yes i'll share this example uh when i started nursing school when i went for the orientation on the way there i prayed not to put my foot in my mouth because i'm really good at putting my foot in my mouth when i don't mean to and insulting people it's a northeast thing so i I got there and, you know, I was meeting people and blah, blah, blah. And this woman says to me, she said, oh, I really thought that I might be too old to go back to nursing school. But now that I've met you, I feel okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, that's what you prayed for, honey. That's what you got. I didn't put my foot in my mouth, but I certainly learned what it was like to be on the other side. (laughs) So I, I worked on choosing my words more carefully, so. Yeah, I've done several people who've gone to nursing school in the middle age. You know, so what? Thank yeah. you. All I can say is thank you. We need more nurses. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny because that's what you're saying, buddy, is like you don't, you pray for something, then that's not what you get. You get like the opposite of it <laughs> teach you. And it was like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Because we never know what we really need. We tag these things as good and bad, but we really don't know what's good. We don't know what's bad. That comes with that acceptance and keeping it in the moment. Lala, you have something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, we never really see the full big picture. We only see from our very short-sighted, not long-term, kind of, this is what I need right now to become this. And it's like, there's always a larger plan or a reason and you know that's it it is true when you pray for something specific um i think like my mantra is like to to avoid being in the fear-based world is like i'm going to move through this day with grace and ease in other words i'm not going to let any bumps in the road kind of you know make me attack or feel fearful um but, uh, yeah, the, we, we never really see the full big picture. And when I look back on my life, everything that I forced, like I've always, always said here, anything I forced and pushed my way into, there's always, there's always a larger, bigger way of doing things, but we don't, we don't see it. We're not, we don't have that bird's eye view. No, we don't. Agreed. Agreed. How do y'all approach? I've had to change the way that, I approach desire in general because that has everything to do with being content for me is surrendering my desire because I always thought I didn't have what I needed. It was always more. I was always taught to to achieve more, to strive for more, to do more. That whole thing was constantly, and it was never enough. It was always, you know, I should be better. The guilt part of that, I should be better. I should be making more money. You know, I should be skinnier. I should be all this stuff, you know, that I'm not, or in my mind, I'm not, you know? And so letting go and surrendering that everything is as it should be. So my question is, how do you guys, like, if you're, if you have any kind of a a prayer life, 
Do you pray for things? Do you ask for specific things at all? Or have you gotten to the point with a desire that you just accept the day as the day is and not add any of your conditions to the day? Well, your expectations. Go for it. Believe it or not, buddy, that's where my gratitude comes in. <laughs> if I'm grateful for what I have, then I don't worry about what I don't have. Exactly. That's good, Paul. That's just easy. That's as easy as it is for me. I just try not to try not to think about those things. I figure uh, if I just keep living the way I have been, then things will come when they're supposed to. Very well, Paul. I think it depends on the motive that's at the back of it as well. What's what's behind the thought process? Is it something I want or is it something I really need? Do you not have everything you really need, Craig? I do. Okay. <laughs> I, did, I didn't when I was drinking. I didn't when I was drinking. Yeah, but but we're talking about now. No, I, I do know. Well, you had everything you needed when you were drinking too. You just didn't know it. No, Amazon had everything I needed. <laughs> um, right, right now I'm unemployed. I'm not earning a living which is causing me, has caused me a great deal of guilt. Um, and you know, I, but I'm bored during the day, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I mean, I find stuff to do, but I, you know, end up spending a lot of time reading, which makes me feel really guilty. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm not praying it away, but I'm trying to, um, change the thought process to, well, when a job comes up for you, it'll come up, yeah. you know, to let it happen rather than trying to force, because my husband seems to be okay with it. He'd like me to earn a living, but he's okay with me not, but just for temporarily. But there's just a shitload of guilt, I feel, about not having an income, not having earning power. You know, and I'm really, there are things I could have if I earn money, you know? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, Marla, I'm, I'm in a lot of the same position. Like I, I have always worked, 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 you know, right. Even ran my own company and, you know, work was always my thing. And I purposely took off off of that to focus on recovery because whenever I got into that like work, work, work mode after vendor meetings would sort of slip off, slip off. And then, you know, I'd be right back in the same position. And I finally put two and two together with the pattern of, you know, let, I need to make this my job, you know, right now. And I make little income by, you know, renting out my home or, you know, working in my mom's tax office or, you know, things here and there. But it's, and I have this underlying drive that I've always had, which I always, you know, things aren't supposed to be good or bad, but I always prided myself on having this drive, this drive, you know, I've always been super successful at, at work and, you know, love, I loved it. But, um, and I think that's because it kind of took away from this needing to be here now. I had, you know, keeping busy, keeping busy, keeping busy. So I'm finding it really hard to have too much time on my hands, you know, so I don't have guilt about the income or anything like that, but I have kind of this worry and anxiety of I should be doing something more with this time. I should be doing something more with this time. And then the on the other hand, no, you know, you're supposed to take this time off. And I find things here, you know, volunteering at hospice or, you know, volunteering at a this music venue here and yeah I'm having a hard time kind of reconciling that like what am I going to be doing what am I going to be doing in the future in the future and having a hard time to sit in the yes. net so I feel you and it's and you know you're doing things like you know be using your time to become a yoga teacher and things like that so it's like kind of that slowing down process and not needing to feel like we need to do what we did in the past. And you're right with the reprogramming, like yeah. Yeah. put this drive elsewhere instead, you know, into something else. So yeah, you got it. Greg, you have something? 
Okay. Um, you know, I'm in the same boat with you ladies. I've, I'm starting a new business and I'm not making money right now. And I feel very guilty about it because my wife, she's been very good. And I've told her, I appreciate that. It takes time. These things take time and they do, but it still doesn't mean that I don't, and I'll hustle. Like if she's coming home and I'm, I'll make sure I'm in the office doing something when she comes home. <laughs> like I'm covering, you know, like when the boss is coming in, so I've got to make sure I look like I'm getting something done, you know. Uh-huh. And There's then some I'll, fear behind that, buddy. Oh, there he is. <laughs> There's some fear. You, I do the same thing, you know, when I know he's coming home. I'm like, i got to be busy. Yeah. And I say, oh, I got this done today, or I got this done, or I got, you know. And yeah. I'll never be just if, if I'm on the phone, I want to make sure it's business related when she comes in, <laughs> you know, it's just my head, you know, but yeah. uh, I've had to really work on surrendering that guilt, knowing yes. everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. I'm doing the right things and just continue doing the right things. Because if that motivation is coming from that fear or that guilt, no, that's the wrong motivation. So yes, that's that's just reminded me when I was when I was drinking. My, my day off was normally different to Louise's, so I would normally I'd normally get, I'd normally be half cut by about twelve o'clock, um, and I'd know by about five o'clock, half past five, she was coming home, and it was at that point I thought to myself, Do you know what, you really should get dressed. You, you really should. Go and get dressed. <laughs> you should get off your PlayStation. You should go and get dressed, and you, should, you, can, you can at least go and stick the oven on. Drag your feet across the carpet to make it look like it's been hoovered. Um, so I'd have that guilt and the fear that, I would, that, that she would be coming home and she would know what I'd been up to. And I was trying to hide my drinking. And that was, that, that was a serious thing behind it was I, I was actually trying to hide my drinking and I had that fear that I was going to get found out at that point. And then I would, I would, I would, I'd known for years that I've, I've, got, I've got a drink problem. Um, and I th- I'm sure Louise has known about it as well. But it was just the fact that I had that fear it was going to get highlighted and that was it. It was going to have to come to a stop. Right. So I would, have, I would have that guilt and that shame that I would actually have to go out and do something. Oh. Um, so, point. yeah, that's, that's, that's reminded me of that one. So thanks, buddy. Good yeah, well, I was with you on that, dear. I was a go-getter, I mean, all the time. And that's been a real – I've talked about it before, and that's just really been tough for me to surrender. But that's part of this, too, for all of us, is learning how to be content no matter what's going on. Because, you know, that contentment's not as much on the circumstances as it is as to what's going on within us and changing and us getting content, you know, and knowing it's as it should be. Cindy, you have something? It's really, it's the same thing. It's yeah. my husband is kind of the breadwinner and I have guilt, you know, and so I work one or two days a week and he's like, but you don't need to work more than that. And he tells me all the time, he's like, I can't do the things that you do. Cause I mean, I take care of our daughter. I take her to her stuff. I, I make sure the bills are paid. I keep the house clean. I, and I don't like, I forget to put value to that. Like my role is my role, but I used to like when I was an HR manager, like I worked and I worked my way up the corporate ladder and that was my identity. And this is different. And it's not that I don't think what I do is important. I just get to this point where I'm like, yes, but yeah, that's fine. I think that's an think it's important that you said identity because my identity it was always so wrapped up in the external, like whether it's like la la the party girl or um, you know, you know, yes. the, the company owner or living, you know, in the Hollywood Hills and all that. And it's like all these external things became my identity. And once I stripped them away, moved to rural Virginia, not, you know, purposely not working, it's like it leaves you bare and you have to really go inward. And that's that's kind of what I forced myself into, knowing that nothing, you know, none of those things were working in sobriety. And I know for me, my experience about using is I was trying to be someone I wasn't when I and that caused me to use even more, I think, because I was going against my true nature, my grain, you know. That made, you know, that made me want to numb out quite a bit. Paul, you have something? 
No, I just, uh, Craig put something in the chat about are we putting too much value on income rather than contributing to life? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. That's not a problem for me. I don't make enough money for, <laughs> for that to be a problem. <laughs> but I love what I do, so I would, you know, don't, don't tell my bosses, but I would do what I'm doing now. For, I would do it for nothing, so. Which is highly valuable, very valuable to be content in what you're doing, you know. That's, most people don't have that, I think. Yeah, I just think it was important what, what Cindy had said. No, but I was being, being main breadwinner. I mean, I, I, I couldn't do half the things that Louise does. I wouldn't want to do half the things that Louise does because I don't have the patience for doing half the things that Louise does. Right. Um, especially when it comes to the house and checking out things like insurances, mortgages. I, I just leave all that to Louise because I, I have I've absolutely no patience whatsoever. Um, and I think the point, I, I, I'm a true believer that each to their own, each to their own abilities. We're all yeah. part of the body, aren't we? We all yeah. have a we all have a part to play, and it has nothing to do with money, really. Mm. I mean, it really doesn't. Um, these are some quotes from Michael Singer. From um, I think these are all from Surrender Experiment. Um, My formula for success was very simple: do whatever is put in front of you with all your heart and soul, without regard for personal results. Do the work as though it were given to you by the universe itself. Because it was. Yeah, well, we hear it all the time. Just do what's in front of you to do. And that's what I've tried to do and stay out of the results and stay out of my head and just, okay, this is in front of me to do right now, so this must be what I need to do. And I would do that. Um, Each of us actually believes that things should be the way we want them instead of being the natural result of all the forces of creation. Am I better off making up an alternative reality in my mind and then fighting with reality to make it be my way, or am I better off letting go of what I want and serving the same forces of reality that managed to create the entire perfection of the universe around me? Mm. Yeah. So I just quit asking for stuff. Yeah. What quite enjoyed about his books was that he looked at things as a commodity rather than the materialistic value of things. I don't think he was looking to and all the billions of pounds that he earned, but I think he got that just through letting go. And he just got not, all that through letting go. Yeah, not by he having that attachment. To do, you know? Yeah. Just keep letting go and practicing non-resistance, whether I liked what was happening or not. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. I am so grateful that surrender had taught me to willingly participate in life's dance with a quiet mind and an open heart. Mm-hmm. How could I possibly explain the great freedom that comes from realizing to the depth of your being that life knows what it's doing? <laughs> life knows what it's doing. Um, okay. Here's the last one. No matter who we are, Life is going to put us through the changes we need to go through. The question is, are we willing to use this force for our transformation? I saw that even very intense situations don't have to leave psychological scars if we're willing to process our changes at a deeper level. In other words, it's not personal. Nothing is. Nothing is. And that idea that we can just surrender. What's well, the same idea from Romans 12 message version that we offer the moment as an offering. And then we just respond when we see God do something. He changes us from the inside out and we just respond. I think it's that same idea. You know, if we stay in that place, that would take care of our contentment. That would take care of our fear illusion, our guilt about the fear, all those things that we're talking about, our desire, it would take care of all of that. Hmm. Hmm. I, I would. I want to ask you to do something. When you have your quiet time, your prayer time, whatever, just kind of keep a legal pad around or some paper, something you can make a note on. And if you start asking for anything, just kind of write those things down that you're asking for. Just kind of make a mental note um, or actual physical note. And then ask yourself, is this something that 
I'm trying to create or is this something that I need to just surrender and just let things be the way they are? Um, I saw that the first time I've mentioned this before. I'm sure I was out with a sponsor, my sponsor eating lunch it had been years ago and somebody beside us was saying the blessing over their lunch and I listened to them and everything they said was stuff about blessing them. Do this for me, this for me, this for me. And I'm like, what? Do I sound that way when I pray? And then I decided to stop praying for anything. And my prayers got super, super short. I mean, super <laughs> short. Because I found out all I was doing was asking for things. Yeah. I was trying to manipulate life. whatever God I believed in into doing all this stuff for me. Like I was not happy with my life already. And I'm like, ooh, there's a change here. That was years ago, and I've been working on this for several, several years. Gosh, that was maybe 10 years, eight years ago, eight, seven, eight years ago. So that's, uh, that's tough. That's tough. But I think that's where that desire, I think that's where that contentment lies, is in stopping the asking and start accepting. Acceptance is the answer to everything. It is, isn't it? Yep. So that's other, it. Other comments? Acceptance Paul? and gratitude. And gratitude. And yep. gratitude. You're right, Paul. Equals you have, contentment. Yes. Acceptance and gratitude equals contentment. I would live by that. Yeah. If I can. <laughs> well, guys, anything else before we close? I think that was a good meeting. Always is. Okay. Well, I want you all to have a great week. And we'll move on to 47 next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.